Hey there, friend. Chances are, if you're listening to the Inventory Genius podcast, it's because, well, you really want to become an inventory genius. If that's you, then let's stop just listening. Let's stop just collecting information. Let's start doing. I want to invite you to grab your copy of the Inventory Genius book. I wrote this book with you in mind. It delivers bite-sized actionable steps that will help you use your inventory to create more profit and keep more cash in your business. This is a really easy to read book. In fact, I designed it specifically for the busy inventory-based business owner. It only takes about two hours to make your way through and you're gonna leave with practical bite-sized steps so you can start implementing the principles of the Inventory Genius Method immediately. Head on over to sierrastockland.com where you can grab your ebook, your audible version, or the printed copy. Enjoy. Hey friend, welcome to the Inventory Genius Podcast, where we work together here to make you an inventory genius. We talk about profit, we talk about cash flow, and we definitely talk about your paycheck. Because at the end of the day, it's all related to your inventory. Let's go. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Inventory Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Sierra. And today I have a really fun guest. I am so excited because we have a lot of things to talk about. Of course, we'll be talking about profit and money and numbers, but we're gonna we're gonna kick off the conversation with some other interesting topics. And I'm really excited to welcome Kim. Hello. Hello, good to see you and talk to you yes. in person instead of just yes. social media. That's right. <laughs> it's also fun, but you know, being somewhat live is also really good too. It really is like hearing your voice, seeing you because we're recording this on Zoom so we can see one another as we chat. Um, but let's talk about social because that's actually how we met. And I mean, you're a profit first coach. You work specifically with coffee businesses. So I want to get into that. We're definitely going to talk. That'll be the bulk of our conversation. But that is not the topic we first met over. And in fact, we didn't even first meet on our business, my business page. We met on my triathlon page, um, two gens try for my daughter and I um, just kind of following our journey this year as we worked on triathlon together. And that's where you first reached out to me. And then I looked at your profile and that's what I love about social media when we really use it to like meet people that we never would have met. So talk to me about that. Like, how did you find us? What, what, um, prompted you to reach out and give us a word of encouragement? Yeah. So as a marathon runner and as a triathlete and as a mom, I not exactly sure how you came up in my feed, but all of a sudden there you were with, what is it? Two gens try. Yeah. And I was like, what is this all about? And I think I saw a photo of you. Um, it was of Hawaii and it was like focused yeah. on Iron Man and I have not competed in an Ironman, but definitely like, wow, if I could, like that would be a huge bucket list item for me. And um, I saw that then it was you and your daughter training and competing together. And I said, Holy cow, this is so amazing. I was getting ready to do a triathlon in New York City my, as well. So yep. it was an Olympic distance, so a shorter distance than the Ironman distance, but could totally appreciate what you were preparing yes. for and had been training for. And so I just had to reach out and be like, go get them, have an amazing race. Like, I know that the journey to get to the starting line is so emotional and 
um, filled with ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And then when you're there, it's like, okay, you've already won, right? Like by the, right. by the time you've just showed up at the starting line, you have your cap on your number. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Like you write your number on your, um, yep, they did your arm and behind your leg and you've got your age and your number and you're like, don't put my age on my body. Uh, right. <laughs> But anyway, right. so yeah, so I just had to give you guys a shout out for making it to that starting line. And yeah, and that's how it all began. Yeah. And I love that. I want everyone to listen. If you don't take anything else away, I think you're going to get a lot of nuggets, but take this away. Use social to build possible relationships because Kim and I never would have crossed paths most likely. Mm -hmm. Um, But she had the brave idea of just saying hello and offering a word of encouragement. I took a look at her profile. I saw that we had several interests of not only racing, but also profit, coffee, <laughs> these other <laughs> things in common. And so I responded, which I think is another thing for everyone here to take note of, because a lot of times we work so hard on our social media platforms to get followers, right? Like we're constantly in the struggle of the struggle and stress of, I want more people following me. I want the number to grow. And then we don't even engage with the people who spend their time engaging with us. So I responded back and then we are here today. Cause I said, we have to talk to you. Your mm -hmm. my audience needs to hear from you. So thanks anyway, for that awesome word of encouragement. And you have a daughter who runs also. Yes. And so she has she, a race coming up next year. Um, so she just completed one. So she okay. is a junior in college down in South Carolina and she's um she played sports in um in high school she was a soccer player and she ran on the track team and then she went off to college and it was very busy right she's just like i'm in new jersey she's in south carolina she was just figuring it all out and this past summer she had been doing some running we would do a turkey trot we would do we did sure. like a donut run at christmas yeah. you know, up in montclair new jersey so like just some really fun races um there's a five mile race down in spring lake new jersey um the kickoff um summer so that all happens memorial day weekend so we've done these shorter races as a family together and we have this little funny saying um because my husband and my son also run that okay. a family a family that runs together funds together so i love it that's great <laughs> i think i gotta trademark that one but yeah anyway maybe somebody will beat me to it but that's sort of our little motto that we have with one another just like we have a running in common as a family yeah. so this past summer she wanted to um, expand that with her friends who she goes to school with down in South Carolina, they decided that they were going to run a half marathon there and they trained and stuck with it. And they ran the Charlotte half marathon, um, two weeks ago. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. So she just finished that. And within two days after she was ready to be like, okay, what are we going to do our next one? So that's yes. a good side, right? Like, it's always like, okay, when you finish immediately, you're like, what am I crazy for doing this? We're doing all this training, you know, it's time consuming. Yeah. But then now like she got the bug and she's like, okay, let's do one next fall. Um, yeah. and, um, maybe all four of us, all the whole family will do it together. We'll that see. would be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll be, we'll be following you on social. So we'll find I'll out. I'll keep you posted. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So I do want to get onto the topic of numbers and things like that, but I want to segue with our racing conversation. Cause I would love your viewpoint on how you feel like any type of physical, um, sport or activity helps you as an entrepreneur to build mental mm -hmm. muscles. Yeah, so absolutely. I noticed, you know, with my first Ironman, 
just the mental muscles I was building. And I had this idea that, you know, what I haven't implemented it yet because I feel like I would get a little pushback, but it might, it might happen one of these days. Um, but anyone that was in my mastermind, I would ask them to participate in something, whether it be a 5K and they're walking it or, you know, a triathlon or whatever they felt called to do. Because I think the training that we do as athletes really helps us build a stronger business. Tell me what you think about that. It's all about stick to Okay. So we talk about um, your, and commitment, right? So when you think about um, the, so you've made a commitment as an entrepreneur to open or start a business and think about how that correlates to the commitment to run a race, to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable, to do something that maybe you haven't done before. And mm-hmm. I know in my entrepreneurial career, that's been, big challenge for me. Like it's you know, getting uncomfortable, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? It's like, yeah. I'm getting, I'm stepping into uh, worlds that I've never experienced before. And when I decided to run my first marathon, I never run 26.2 miles. I was like, what? Like the longest yes. I had gone was 3.1. And I was like, how in the world am I going to go from running 3.1 miles to running 26.2? And what happens is you are really nervous that day where you say, okay, I'm going to make this big giant leap. And again, it could be your first 5k. It could be a marathon. It could be your Ironman, you know, no matter what it is, committing to doing something at some point in the future is really Mm -hmm. challenging, right? Yeah. I feel like today it's all about instant gratification. I want the gratification now. I want to get that medal around my neck and I want to put it on now and walk around really proud. Well, no, you have to train and you have to disciplined about your approach to succeeding and completing that race. Same way as you are committed to the training, to the commitment to your business, to succeed with your clients and your mission in whatever business you know you, you are working on yourself. So yeah. Um, so a lot of correlation between the program that you commit to for training for a race or getting in shape, right? Like I was on the phone call this morning and I'm working with um, one of my employees, she just to get her moving, right? Like just to get out there and commit to five minutes. We're going back and forth on whether she should join a gym. And we were talking about time commitment and like the commitment and the monetary and time commitment associated with going to a gym is pretty significant if you've never done it before. So I said, well, are you committed to just walking 10 minutes? Let's get you increasing your steps, right? So small steps moving forward towards success is a lot what happens as part of an athlete and setting goals for yourself as an athlete on what you want to achieve, the steps that you want to achieve, the race that you want to complete, um, the mileage that you want to run and um, versus and how that correlates to the business that you're in. So I I believe the, um, and I started off by saying stick-to-itiveness, right? Because it's challenging. Yeah. All of it, all of it is really hard. And I commend all of you out there who have committed to being successful business owners, successful um, athletes, you know, no matter what your journey is, successful fitness, you know, to being successful, um, just being healthy, you know, in your lifestyle. Yeah. And with that commitment, um, helps you with the mindset of, okay, I'm committed to getting out and moving and running a mile today. I'm committed to going out and swimming a mile today. I'm committed to walking a mile today. And then how that mindset by you successfully 
achieving that commitment also translate to say, okay, I did this one thing over here. I did my one mile walk. I can definitely do this podcast. You know, yes. I can definitely go out there and contact these next five clients on my prospect list and schedule some meetings and reach out to my community. So it's it's breeding that success and the the um the endorphins, right? Like you, yeah. you know, like it, what you feel when you exercise, it's like excitement, it's butterflies, but then you're so happy. The same thing, there's a lot of correlation with okay, that success when you get the client on the call or you convert a client, right? Or you help a client succeed and be profitable and um, maintain their business and grow their business just like your mastermind does with your clients. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, think about that if you're listening and you've, you know, thought, I don't know if I have the time for this or if I'll be successful, just start very small. And then yes, those small wins add up to big results and it is transferable. Like those thoughts, those patterns of behavior, those mindset muscles that you're building, it will transfer over to business too. So let me have you introduce yourself um, and tell us what you do specifically in the business space, because I think this is so interesting. And I love your little, couple of your little slogans too. So you might have to throw those in here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I I work as a cash flow strategist helping coffee business owners to achieve their dream lifestyle at the at the core of what I'm helping them do and with that providing them um, insight and skills to look at their business right is um, if you think about a coffee shop owner um, maybe you know somebody who roasts coffee in their garage or just roast coffee like in their own kitchen and they make a delicious coffee and you're like you should go out and you know provide this coffee to the world like you're being so selfish by holding it inside well a lot of um people are very creative and they have an amazing um knowledge and expertise around their craft but not always around the business side of how should the how is this going to be cash flow positive and how am i going to turn this hobby that i have into a thriving business that's going to serve my community serve employees and serve my family going forward um so i have worked um gosh you know through my career with small business owners um in helping them um through my prior career in banking and finance with helping them provide providing them with credit facilities, cash management solutions through banking um, products that were available. Now was serving as a cash flow strategist as an um, as a partner with these coffee business owners to help them dive into what's happening with their business. What how are they allocating um, their costs? You know, there's a in the community we have labor costs. If you can imagine going into a coffee shop and there's like all yeah. these baristas, right? So you got to pay all that labor. So are you in line? Are your metrics in line with the um, industry standards in terms of labor costs and labor percentages. Um, where are you on inventory, right? And you, you speak a lot about inventory. So where is your inventory? How much green coffee, how much raw coffee beans have you purchased? How much is sitting on hand? When are you going to roast it? What are your reorder quantities? Working on all of that, because as you've said, when you're sitting with all this inventory, that's cash and we got to convert that inventory to cash. Yeah. So interesting. So how did you decide to niche into the coffee space? <laughs> so uh, I live in a small town in Northern New Jersey called Chatham. And crazily enough, we don't have like a really um, like a specialty coffee shop, right? We have Starbucks, we have Dunkin' Donuts. And um, 
there was a town up the street, um, uh, Madison, and there was a small coffee shop up there called Drip. And what had happened was there was a bakery luncheonette place in our town, Chatham, that went out of business. And the town went and approached the owners of Drip and Drip came down and opened up a second location in our town. Okay. So we were like so excited. Like we all went in there and we were like, oh, this is great. Like we can just pop in, we can sit and have coffee, enjoy. They have like a little patio. We can sit. If you think about all the um, conversations and the collaboration that goes on at a coffee shop, right? Where, where you know, like, oh, let's go grab a coffee, right? Like how many times a day, <laughs> you know, do you say like to your clients, right? Oh, let's go grab a coffee, especially if you're in Nashville yeah. together, right? For me, it's like, yeah, let's go grab a coffee. It's breakfast. You know, it's really fun. It's community. It's a vibe. You go in there. It's your barista's um, greeting you with a smile and this delicious cup of coffee. And you're really starting your day off on the right foot, right? So you go in and we were, again, it just becomes like a community um, meeting place. Well, I don't know, probably like a year or so later, driving down the road one day and it's closed. Like, oh. Completely like no more signage, you know, all like closed up, no lights on. And he couldn't make it. It just, it didn't work out. The um, costs were too high. You know, the timing wasn't right. And that just like hurt my soul. Like it made me very sad. I was like, where are we going to meet as a community now? Like, okay, yeah, you can go, you know, down the street to the diner or, you know, but again, that's a completely different feel when you're going into a restaurant and having yeah. like food versus sitting and collaborating over coffee. And so when I saw that, I said, okay, I was in the middle of, I had just become a profit first professional. Um, part of the profit first community is we really are encouraged to find a an industry niche and an industry that we want to um, help thrive. And this had just happened and I love coffee. And I actually started off thinking I'm going to cover all craft beverage because I said, Oh, I love craft beer. There's a really cool craft be beer um, brewery down the street. Coffee is way too thin of a niche. So I was like, I'm going to do just craft beverage um, and craft food. Right. So it's like all things craft that you would consume. And then, but then I started learning more about the coffee industry and I was like, this is so amazing. It's the supply chain in the coffee industry is dramatic from the coffee beans being grown in Brazil, being handpicked from the cherry plants, getting into a 50 kilogram bag and being shipped here to the United States. It's like, it's amazing to think what goes into our cup of coffee every morning. Yeah. And as I began to learn more about the industry, I was like, I really want to help these business owners thrive so that they can have, um, you know, continue to serve, you know, their community, their families and their employees. Yeah. So interesting. Well, um, I don't know if I've, I don't think I've ever told, I know I haven't told my listeners this, but my husband and I way back when we were first married and we lived in Fargo, we thought about buying a coffee shop. So there was a coffee shop. And just like you said, it was a place where we had had our first date. It was, yes. you know, I mean, it was just a, a benchmark of the community. Everyone would go in. It was by a college. So there's always university students studying and it was in a house and the people were looking to sell it and they lived upstairs. So that was their livelihood. They had, you know, the house was their coffee shop. They lived upstairs. So we thought, oh, this could be really interesting as a newly married couple. 
So we chatted with them about buying it and we looked at, you know, their books and everything. This was before I had my retail store. So we really didn't know a lot about numbers, but the numbers didn't even add up to us. That didn't know about numbers. We thought, how can they, I just don't see how you could make a living because of the, you know, what they were charging and the labor costs and all of it. It just didn't make economical sense. And I've always thought about that. And I'm guessing that you help coffee shops with that very problem because you have a 450, you know, your product's 450 or $5. You have to sell a lot of volume to be really smart with the numbers, really understand the margins. Um, so we didn't, we didn't buy the coffee shop. They ended up just going out of business. Nobody purchased it from them, which was really sad because it had been there for years and years. So what's the number one thing that you help coffee shops with when you go in, you have a new client What's the first thing you tackle with them when it comes to their numbers and just helping them get financially stable? Crazily enough, it's just looking at their numbers is really the first thing. It's amazing yeah. how um, just helping them face their finances is yeah. a really big challenge because again, they're focused so much on their craft. They see the revenue coming in every day, right? They see the deposits coming in through their square account and or what, in whatever point of sale system they're using. And um, they're like, oh, okay, doing great. But then, oh, I got to pay for my raw coffee beans. Oh, wait, I got to pay for the milk. Oh, I got to pay for the oat milk, right? Oh, wait, now I have to pay for the labor. And so facing the finances first, just looking at the numbers and then organizing the numbers. I call it my drip process. Um, I call it, we get in, we dissect the numbers, we reflect over the information that we've dissected, right? To see that it's accurate. We start to inspect whether we are charging correctly, whether we need to implement any um, changes in our cost structure, any price increases that need to be passed along. And then we project out where we see our business going. So we implement this drip process. We dissect, reflect, inspect, and project our the numbers at the coffee shop so that we set the business owner up for success um, in providing them with a deeper understanding of where their cash is going every month and where they want it to go in the future. Yeah. So labor would be a really big expense in a coffee shop. And you have a lot of, lot of labor, lots of craziness to the schedule usually, right? With high school and college students. And I mean, I can't even imagine. So you help them take a look at their labor, take a look at their materials, their inventory, their pricing. Can you tell us maybe one of the best success stories that you've had with a coffee shop that you've worked with, where you went in you helped them and you're just so proud of the work? That came yes. out of that. Yeah. So it was a couple of years ago, we were looking at um, specifically food costs and um, it was, you know, um, it had been a while since they looked at their food costs and we went through and we said, all right, we're going to just pull, pull, we're going to be get down and dirty with this, right? We're not going to do this high 30,000 foot view. We're going to get into the weeds and we're going to look at every product line, every purchase, and we saw, crazily enough, that turkey, because they were making sandwiches. Oh, at, sure. So, so they were making sandwiches. And turkey, the price of turkey <laughs> had gone up so significantly. And they had not adjusted the price of okay. their 
sandwiches that include turkey. Now, this has been also been a similar instance recently with eggs. The price of eggs had gone up quite significantly. But going back to this turkey situation, we're like, okay, wait a minute. We're supplying fresh turkey here at our coffee shop in our sandwiches. The place down the road, the fast food place, what is it, jo Mr. Jones, or I don't know, some um, some fast food you know, drive-through place where you can get a turkey sandwich. They're charging the same amount. We're like, wait a minute. We are a farm-to-table, fresh, organic um, coffee shop. We definitely could afford and deserve a premium for this product. Freshly made, freshly sliced. And we said, all right, well, we need to change our pricing. And then when we did that, then we kept going because we identified an opportunity. And the business owner said, oh, my gosh if this is what's happening with Turkey, well, what's going on with the rest of it? And so yeah. the awareness was such a huge success story for me, providing that awareness to the business owner, then implementing the price increase and the fact that people kept ordering the turkey sandwich, even with the increased pricing, huge yeah. win, right? So it's like your pricing doesn't go up that much for a couple slices of turkey, but the, the mindset of a business owner is like, I can't increase my prices. My customers are going to go elsewhere. Well, first of all, we want you to be paid for the value that you're providing in your product and your service. And by doing that, now you're, you're premium product is so much better than the fast food joint down the street. There should definitely, you should definitely be compensated for that. And so that was a huge win in terms of the awareness around food cost structure and how your clients aren't necessarily going to walk out the door. If you increase your pricing 25, 50 cents on your turkey sandwich, just to get compensated for the current price of turkey going up. Yeah. Well, no, and there were other options too. We looked at buying different types of turkey um, as well. So we evaluated that whole product in the analysis. Yeah. Um, and then we dove deeper into other products as well. So that was just a really big win around awareness and how your clients are going to continue to support you, um, you know, as the, as you need to change pricing. Yeah. I think that's a really good thing to note here. So, you know, maybe you might be listening and saying, okay, I don't know if this episode really applies to me. I mean, I don't sell any food or beverage. I think the message of competition because a coffee shop more than anything, you're competing with big boys that are everywhere and have lots of marketing dollars to spend mm -hmm. lots of brand awareness. Um, and you can still win in business, even knowing that there are big names right around the corner, probably several on your block, a coffee shop, if done well, should prove to us that you really can succeed in the market with your own pricing that makes sense. And, you know, with your own customers that are loyal to you, how do you work with a coffee shop? I'm guessing you get a lot of pushback on that because I get a lot mm -hmm. of pushback just in the inventory space, maybe in the boutique world, mm -hmm. the retail world where we say like, oh, I can't because you know, Target has these prices or the boutique down the street has those prices. Um, so how do you address that with your clients and really help them gain confidence in pricing for profit mm -hmm. and understanding that their special, unique selling proposition has to be their own and they can succeed even in competition with those bigger brands? Small, steady steps forward is is really the recommendation, right? Um, do as we talked about earlier with 
achieving success as an athlete, as reaching our goals in our training. Same with your pricing on your products to your customers. Um, experiment, right? Succeed in changing one or two two products in your offering and see how that goes and how that sits with your mindset and how that sits with your customers and then reward yourself for that success and then move to the next set of products and then do it slow, small, medium steps. And, um, and again, not to, um, not to try to trick your customers in a way, but really to trick your own mindset, right? Your own money mindset that you can do this and your coffee shop, your boutique is so important to me and my um, lifestyle. I want to continue to buy from you. So therefore I want to continue to support you. You provide something to me that the large department store can't provide. I'm a total boutique shopper, right? Like I walk into Macy's or Bloomingdale's and I'm like, I start to get hives. I turn out in the sweat. Yes. I'm like, I don't know what to buy in here. Um, I, you know, and I shop at a small boutique in Westfield, New Jersey and, you know, my wardrobe comes primarily from one boutique because I'm a cash flow girl. I'm a money girl. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I just need to keep my fashion sense simple. So for me, it's like, okay, great. I'm going to go to this boutique and I'm going to continue to support them. Now, if she has changes in her production, I'm going to continue to support her. Right. And if she has to make small adjustments to her pricing, well, over time, I might notice, but continue to support yourself and your money mindset to make small, steady steps forward with respect to your pricing and the value of the product that you're providing to your your guests and to your clients. Yeah, for sure. So you're a profit first coach and you also work on the pumpkin plan with your clients. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, I think that would be a great ending to today's conversation. Leave our guests with some thoughts on what is the pumpkin plan and how does that kind of play into what you've been talking about right here, like being really specific, even how you niche down in your business, working Mm -hmm. specifically with coffee shops. What is the pumpkin plan? Tell me about it. Pumpkin plan speaks to also to niching down and to growing your big giant pumpkin, right? Like we just got through Halloween. You may have seen like all these contests where the giant pumpkin and how big can you grow the pumpkin? Well, the pumpkin seed that is used to draw to grow a big giant pumpkin is very unique. It's not the pumpkin seed that you're getting from the pumpkin um, from your local nursery where you're, you know, carving your pumpkin for your kids for your front porch. It's a much different variant. And in doing that, what's happened is the the farmers have focused on growing this one giant pumpkin and really nurturing that pumpkin. And the idea of the book is for you as a business owner to focus on what is your primary niche, your primary client that you want to nurture and you want to see succeed over and over and over again? And identifying that sweet spot for your business and then pursuing it and when pursuing it with diligence and the same commitment, again, that you would commit to running a race, fulfilling your health fitness goals, committing to it over and over again every single day and being so diligent about not being distracted by other clients, by other opportunities that may come up and stick to your mission. And we talk about, um, so if you think about a pumpkin patch, you have all these different pumpkins and vines growing all over the place that can distract from the giant pumpkin being able to succeed, um, taking away the water supply, taking away some of the light. So we talk about pruning away some of our clients that may not be serving us 
um, identifying a client that's not in your niche and isn't supporting you, doesn't um, comply with your immutable laws. We talk a lot about what are your immutable laws? What do you commit to in your business, in your family life, in your soul that you want to use when you identify with your clients so that you're all on the same page, that you're committed for me. It's like, I'm committed to kindness. I'm committed to confidentiality, to fun, to laughter. And it finances are a really challenging thing <laughs> to talk about. And if we can, if I can help to add a little bit of fun to that and a little bit less stress, um, that is my goal. And so for me, it's like my immutable laws are like, we're going to be kind to one another. We're going to keep our financials confidential. We're going to have fun while we're doing it. We'll laugh, we'll cry, <laughs> you know, along the way. But those are some of our immutable laws that we utilize in our business with our clients. And the pumpkin plan really helps to bring out those immutable laws for you as a business owner, and then apply those immutable laws to growing your giant pumpkin, to weeding and pruning out the other clients that aren't serving you so that you can have the success that you deserve and the lifestyle that you're dreaming of every day. Yeah. So <clears throat> last question for you, as it relates to the pumpkin plan, I know a lot of times books like that or processes, systems seem to well work really well for a service-based business. Like I can see how that would work for you. That mm. works really well for me. Like I can prune customers and clients. I know exactly who I'm serving and I mm. have an offer and I can stick to it. But what I find is sometimes it can be hard for someone in a retail store or a coffee shop that says, <laughs> I have college students come in and I sell $450 cup of coffee to old ladies that come in for book club. And I have, I don't know, how, like, what do you talk, how do I do this in a concept that's a low price point that appeals to the masses? So tell us how we can use the pumpkin plan approach, even in a concept that would not be a service-based business necessarily. Primarily in your messaging, primarily okay. into whom you speak, right? So if we talk about niching down, we're talking about identifying your sweet spot. That's the sweet spot that you are going to speak to. Clients with your immutable laws are the ones that you're going to support and go back to over and over and over again. You're going to provide a special offering. That special 20% discount that you may offer in January to move your inventory, you're only going to offer those to that discount to your subscribers, right? To your subscription services, or maybe to your clients that come in or have spent so much money in your boutique over the year. Um, those you're going to focus on that niche. You're going to focus on your sweet spot. Other clients are going to come into the shop and buy from you. But when you speak when you're looking at your messaging and when you are looking to grow your business and spend those marketing dollars or spending your energy to reach out to people, you're going to do that with your ideal client, with your, within your niche. Um, that, so, so yeah, so it's, you're going to focus on that one person, that one individual. Um, it's interesting on coffee shops, like a lot of coffee shops have really amazing marketing to um, around, I have one coffee shop that they focus on primarily providing an opportunity to meet in the back of their cafe um, and talk about mental health challenges and anxiety. Okay. And so they really reach out to their community and they offer that service to their community. Now, I may not be an anxious person. I may not feel that I have mental health challenges. I'll still go to the coffee shop. They'll still gladly serve me 
However, yeah. that coffee, and when I look at that community, I'm like, wow, that business owner is so committed to that community. I love that. I'm going to continue to support them because they're focused on this one piece of um, the population that has these challenges and that has this anxiety. And if they're offering that, I want to continue to support them because I know that's a challenge for a lot of people. It may not yeah. specifically resonate with me, but I'm going to continue to shop there and support them because I support them in their endeavor to achieve that within their community. And so yeah. I, it really, the pumpkin plan is like helping you focus on your sweet spot, go after your messaging with the people who are in that sweet spot so that that's going to help you grow it more and more within that community. And then it's going to spread out over time. We're not saying to be exclusive. You're not going to exclude anybody. You're just being very specialized and very focused in your messaging because you want to grow your business with a certain client group. Others are going to come in. Yeah. Absolutely. Welcome them. But when you are going to spend your marketing dollars and your time and energy, you're going to focus on your ideal client. And that's where the pumpkin plan helps you identify. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I have a client who does a really great job of it's this is a boutique in particular and she works with women who are very non-confident in their body so just helping them feel beautiful in their shape their size their age their demographic whatever that might look like um i would still buy you know even though i might not need that particular confidence i love her clothing so i would shop there but she's so good at really speaking to that client because that was her and she can speak to them and say like if you're feeling uncertain i would love to help you or whatever her marketing messaging is um what i see happen so often not with her but with a lot of clients um, or potential clients is that when they don't get the response they want right away then they dilute the messaging like, oh, maybe there's not enough ladies who, you know, are not confident in how they dress. So I need to also talk to her and I need to market here and I need to put an ad in this magazine. And that's when we become a lot to very, very little. And everyone yes. is confused. Who is she? What does she actually do? So learning to stick with it, stick with the plan, write the plan, run the play, um, <laughs> because there is enough, just like you found, there's plenty of coffee shops that could use your help. You do not need to work with craft beer and craft pizza and all of the things. Um, and I've learned those lessons the hard way as well. So that's something that I know both you and I love to chat with our clients because we can see success mm -hmm. when you figure out who that core client is and you go after them with all your might and you commit to that process. It can be so, so good for your business. Yeah. So successful. It's almost like when you cross the finish line and the people on the other side of the line put that huge medal across your chest. You know, there's not many opportunities these days that we get to be rewarded yeah. um, with a huge medal. So yeah. So go out there, go earn your big, huge medal, commit to your sweet spot, stick to it, right? We talked about this at the beginning, yes. stick-to-itiveness is really so important and uh, go after your, your big giant pumpkin. Yes, I love it. Well, thanks for joining us today, Kim. Where can people find you, follow you, learn more about what you have to offer? You can visit me at my website at kimlogsden.com. You can find me on Instagram at Caffeinate Your Cashflow and on LinkedIn at Kim Riley Logsden. I love it. Caffeinate Your Cashflow. I think we could all do that. That's great. Yes, yeah, please so do. For, yes. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And I know we'll be chatting again another time. All the best. Thank you. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Inventory Genius Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. There's so much more that you could learn from Kim. So please follow her. If nothing else, just start on Instagram. It's really fun to just see what she's up to, see what she's working on. Um, I know you'll get little tidbits here and there. Visit her website where there's a lot of information on how you can work with her. If you have a coffee shop, I think it would be wonderful for you to reach out. Um, and then head over to the website, sierrastockland.com. If you have not grabbed a coffee copy of the Inventory Genius Set. I would love for you to grab your copy and either listen or read that. You can accomplish that in a very short amount of time. Grab some bite-sized actionable steps that you can take and implement today. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye for now. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in today to the Inventory Genius Podcast. If there's something that you heard today on the podcast episode and you want to dig deeper into becoming an inventory genius yourself, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, where I have multiple ways that you and I can work together on your inventory. I want to help you with your profit, your cash flow, and your paycheck because at the end of the day, it's all related to your inventory. So head on over to the website, connect with me, I'll work with you soon. See you then. Hey there, friend. So I've already invited you to grab your copy of the Inventory Genius book. But if you're ready to go a step further and dive in, if you want a quick start to becoming an Inventory Genius, then I want to also invite you to grab your seat and the Quick Start to Inventory Genius course. This really easy to digest course is going to include all the tools, spreadsheets, and systems you need to implement the Inventory Genius method immediately in your business. We'll talk about creating an open to buy plan. We'll talk about creating a profit plan. We'll talk about creating a business budget. And then we cap it all off with a private one-on-one -on -one call, you and me. Yep, that's right. The Quick Start to Inventory Genius course includes a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me. So you can go through the book. You can go through the Quick Start to Inventory Genius course. You can write down your questions and then you and I can get on the phone and problem solve together. Head on over to sierrastockland.com, grab your seat at the Quick Start to Inventory Genius course. See you there. Hey, boutique owner, are you ready to go from drowning in busy work to dreaming about the future? Simple Strategies Group creates automated marketing systems that work 24-7 so you do not have to. And you know how important I tell you it is to have automated, simplified systems. And that's why you need to get a hold of Liz. Liz Whitehead is a certified Clavio Master Silver Partner as well as a certified Postscript Partner. She knows her stuff. She works with e-commerce product-based businesses to implement email and text marketing strategies that build trust and nurture your customer relationships. She wants to do this for you so that you can start to focus on the front lines of your boutique business. So visit simplestrategiesgroup.com for more info. That's simplestrategiesgroup.com.